Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Question for you. Are you Fergusoned out yet? Because I am. I'm kind of Fergusoned out, I've got to tell you. Between TV and internet news sources and Facebook rants, um, I realized at one point earlier this week that I am Fergusoned out. And sort of all at once, I also realized that I am Cosby'd out, and I am Black Friday'd out, and I am Cyber Monday'd out, and I am definitely Kardashian'd out. Can I get a witness, please? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not angry about any of those things or toward any of those people. I'm just done, you know? Just, I'm out. I don't want to hear about any of that anymore. And therein lies a problem, because I'm going to. The, the race thing in our country, it isn't settled. Neither Cosby nor prosecutors have tipped their hands about what they're going to do. Retailers aren't done telling us how much we need to buy their stuff in order to be happy. And the Kardashians aren't done marrying, divorcing, naming children after compass points, or exposing too much of their bodies or their opinions to us. So we're going to hear a lot more about each of those things. Question, are you, are you feeling a little bit like I'm feeling? Can you hear it in my voice? Uh, for your sakes, if you are, I hope, uh, I hope you're not Barack obama out, and I hope you're not GOP-controlled congress out, or executive-ordered out, or Vladimir putin out, or isis out, because you're going to hear a lot more about all of those things, too. And by the way, it is really, really too bad for you if you are legalized marijuana out, or same-sex marriage out, because those conversations are not done in our country, and you are going to hear more about them. If you put on top of all of that that we might think we would like to be done with, if you put on top of all of that the tragedies that we have endured in our congregation this year, I just have to confess to you this morning, I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of tired of it all. I want to be clear, I'm doing okay. I'm not suicidal. I'm just tired of living in a world that's so messed up, aren't you? This world, in case you haven't noticed, does not work right. And as I was thinking about, the, uh, about that the other day, this, this passage sort of came welling up out of my heart. It, it, was like, it wasn't like it dawned on me like it was the first time I heard it. It was this thing that I memorized as a child that, that somewhere deep inside of me just kind of came floating up to the surface. It's, a, it's found in the Old Testament book titled Isaiah. It begins this way. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Now, I understand that I'm a Bible nerd, and so I read it a lot. And I also understand that the word rend has, for the most part, disappeared from the English language, or at least the common use of it. But that's how I remember the verse, because that's how I memorized it as a little boy. And that's what came bubbling up out of my heart the other day. But here's what it means. It means, God, I wish you would get down here. Tear a hole in the heavens if you have to. Blow a hole through the lid. But get down here and do something about this broken, messed up world of ours. 
That is exactly what my heart was trying to express earlier this week. I think we all occasionally get to the place where we just wish God or somebody would hit the reset button so that this world and our lives within it would start over and would work right this time. Don't we all get there from time to time? When you let your imagination off the leash for a little bit, doesn't it run in the direction of a world that works right for you? Mine does, and I got to tell you, I am of the considered opinion that God's mind and imagination work like that too. And I think God is motivated to do something about it, about it instead of just sitting around and complaining about it. But I think there's a problem. I think that God suffers from a little bit of a reputation problem in this world when it comes to all of this brokenness. I think most people think that, A, it's either God's fault because, you know, something slipped by him or he's messing with us, or they think that he's looking at what we have done and is hopping mad about the deal and all of the brokenness that it has caused. I got to tell you, I don't think that God takes a swing and a miss. And I don't think that God falls asleep and lets things sneak by him. But I definitely don't believe that anger is the first inclination of God's heart when he looks at brokenness in our world. Anger is not what drives God. It isn't what motivates him to act in our lives. And I want to make sure that as we head into what is admittedly the most stressful part of the year for an awful lot of people, that we have a different and more accurate picture of God in our minds and in our hearts. So we're going to read a little bit of scripture together that helps us gain perspective on that. Jordan Sawyer is going to read for us today a passage from Isaiah 40 that will help us really to see God's heart. And I would encourage you to follow along with her as she reads. You come right on up here. Jordan, we'll just do this. Okay? Is that going to work for you? Jordan's going to read for us just a little bit, and um, you follow along in uh, your copy of the scriptures if you bought them. I'm also going to teach you a little something-something as Jordan's warming up over here. If you are a Uversion app user, raise your hand. Smartphone people, Uversion app, okay, good. If you're a Uversion app user, you can take notes on Sunday's message right in your Bible app on your device, and it will mess with everybody else in church who thinks you're Facebooking, Okay. You can take apps, uh, take notes right in the app. Here's how you do it. Just open up to Isaiah 40, because that's where we're going to work from today. And if you just kind of tap the first verse in the, in the selection, it'll select it by underlining it. Switch to that slide for me, guys. Okay, there's the Isaiah 40 passage. Now, if you just kind of touch the first verse, it'll underline it. Go to the next one for me, Oliver. Good. And when you do that, see this little blue box that appears down here in the bottom? It gives you the opportunity to do all kinds of things. So if you hit that button, it'll take you to a page where you can select from all these things down here. You can take notes, you can share, you can copy, you can bookmark. If you push that first one, note, it's going to open up a page for you. Just like that, you can title it, I don't know, Pastor Cliff's Sermon. You can, uh, on the status line, you can set that so that everybody in the world gets to see Pastor Cliff's Sermon Notes, or you can keep it private to yourself or just share it with friends. But it's a handy-dandy way that those of you who are electronically-minded kind of folks can engage with the Word while we're reading it. But I I want you to engage with it another way while Jordan reads it. So would you just stand with me, please? in honor of the reading of of the word of God. Lord, I ask you right now to help my friend, my little sister, Jordan. 
She's been uh, preparing her heart and she's been preparing her mind all week long to come and read your holy word to us. Now I pray that you would use her to drive the message home. We're listening, Lord. Amen. Go right ahead, Jordan. Comfort, comfort my people. Is this... Just get right on it like you uh, are eating it. Closer. One more, one more inch. There you go. Good. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All the people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because of the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Do you remember times uh, as a kid when you and your sibling kind of got into something and it went horribly wrong? And then one of you would say, oh man, go get mom and dad. And the other one would say, are you nuts? They're going to freak out and we are going to be in so much trouble. Whatever you do, don't call mom and dad. Remember those situations? Which kid were you? Hands of all the people who said, get mom and dad. Okay, and uh, hands of all the people who said, are you nuts? Hi, okay, all right, well, I'm preaching to the sinners this morning, that's good, excellent, yeah, yeah. confession's good, just keep it coming, okay, yeah. Listen, the response of each kid in that situation, you know where it comes from? It comes from their place of relative trust in their parents, The kids who said, call them, trusted that mom and dad would understand and they would know what to do to help. And the kid who said, we're going to be in big trouble, also trusted mom and dad to do what they do most of the time, right? Or at least as they understand mom and dad. Both of those things come from your trust of your parents. What I trust they will likely do in that situation. Is your life kind of a mess right now? Are you Fergusoned out, or Cosbyed out, or Kardashianed out, or politicked out, or grieved out? Or, or is your, your marriage a little rough right now? Checkbook out of control before the holidays? Relationship with your kids a little bit tender? Um, I'm a person who kind of gets a little rough around the edges from time to, not, time, to time, so... 
So I, I kind of, uh, my heart kind of resonates with the world around me when it's a little bit of a wreck. I know that our world and people's lives within it can be messy. But I also have a sneaking suspicion that a number of us who feel like it's all overwhelming and are, are so worried about how God would respond to it all that we are afraid to call him when we're looking at the mess. Whether we go running to God immediately when we see the brokenness, or whether we hide from him a little bit, take a little bit of time, see if maybe we can figure this out and repair it a little bit, both of those things come from our relative levels of trust in God. I know that life can be overwhelming, and it's all the more overwhelming when we suspect that God is going to put the beat down on us for our part in the messiness of life. And that's why I wanted Jordan to read the passage that she did. It's because I want us all, as we head into this Christmas season, to know that we can bring every bit of the messiness of life to God. When messiness comes to full boil and begins to make a a mess around the pot, we can trust God to respond to us in a certain way if we will invite him into the mess. I want you to take a look with me again at that passage for just a moment. In it, God said something twice at the very beginning in order to make a point. He said, comfort, comfort my people. He looked at Isaiah's nation's mess, and I promise you that it was every bit as ugly, sinful, nasty, and broken as our world. Listen, church, we have this wrong perspective. We think the world is more sinful than it's ever been. Nuh-uh. Read your Bible. The world has been a broken half-disaster for mm, virtually all of time. The picture that Isaiah was seated in, the picture that God was seeing as he was listening to Isaiah's prayer, every bit as messed up, broken, and sinful as ours. And what God didn't say was, you just wait till I get down there. Instead, he said, Isaiah, listen close, because I have something that I want you to say to my people. It's very specific. I want you to comfort my people. Comfort them, Isaiah. Sin has made life hard for them. My tests, my trials that I've placed on them has made life hard for them too. So make sure that you're tender to them when you speak for me. I know, God said, that people are no hardier than grass. Green one day, withered the next. So listen, tell them that I've got my arms around them like a shepherd cradles a baby lamb. I got them. I'm not just holding them, though. I'm I'm leading them somewhere, and and sooner or later, they're going to have to walk a little bit, and when they do, they're going to get a little sore of foot and a little wobbly in the knees, but make sure you tell them, Isaiah, that I've got them. Comfort my people. Listen, it's a loving heart that looks at sin and the resulting mess in our world and says, Comfort my people in the middle of it. Didn't you really expect God to say something else? Didn't you expect God to bring a warning? Didn't you expect God to say, Ten Commandments? Instead, 
He said, yep, it's sinful. If you speak for me, make sure that when you speak to the sinners, you say, comfort my people. And that's exactly what God said to Isaiah. And it's what Isaiah said to the people. It's what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you and to me today. Because God has a loving heart. And a loving heart says to messy, broken, sinful people, I gotcha. And I want to comfort you. Is there a rend the heavens kind of prayer in your heart right now? Does the weight of your own sin or that of people around you, the brokenness of the world in which we live, weigh on you? Has the stress of grief and worry piled up on you to the point that that something in you is screaming, God, get down here! What are you waiting on? Tear open the heavens if you have to, but get down here. Please do something about this mess, please. If there's anything like that in your heart this morning, I want you to know something. God is ready to say yes to that prayer. He is ready to invade your situation because he's a tear open the heavens kind of God. This time of year, we remember the first Christmas, which God accomplished with a series of tear-open-the-heavens kind of moments. Remember all the angel appearances around, surrounding the, the birth of Christ? There was one to John the Baptist's father. There was one to Mary. There were four to Joseph. Remember when he announced Mary's condition and when he told them to take flight to Egypt and when he told them it was safe to return and when he redirected them to a new hometown in Nazareth, angel appearances in each of those. There was a mass appearance of angels on the night of Jesus' birth. He's a tear-open-the-heavens kind of God. Remember the star that split the sky for a couple of years while some wise men from a completely different religion found the Messiah? It was a split the heavens, tear open the heavens kind of moment because we have this tear open the heavens kind of God. Remember the launch of Jesus into his public ministry? He was baptized, and as he came up out of the water, John the Baptist said, the the sky kind of fell apart for a minute. And I heard this voice from heaven say, this is my son, and I saw the Holy Spirit land on Jesus like a dove lands on a branch. It was a rend the heavens kind of moment because we have a rend the heavens kind of God. This time of year is uh, called Advent. It's, it's the, the season where we sort of give a nod in, in four weeks in a row. We give a, a nod to Christmas. We'll light an extra candle each week. And here, I just got to confess to you, okay? Um, there's one, two, three, four, five candles on on the wreath here, the center one, the big one's the Christ candle, and the others, nobody seems to remember what they are, because there's like umpteen different traditions, and you can read all kinds of things about what color the candles are supposed to be, and whatever. And there's a reason that I just do this at it and kind of walk away. It's because we don't do Advent right anyway. Advent never was supposed to be about Christmas, It was supposed to be about celebrating one other aspect of the fact that we have a tear-open-the-heavens kind of God. 
See, Advent is this word that means arrival, and it isn't supposed to be a season in which we look forward to the commemoration of Jesus' first arrival. Instead, Advent, years ago when our church fathers were kind of designing the calendar, they said, we get the Christmas message, we get the Easter message. There's another message that we seem to have forgotten. It's that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he said, I'm going to split the skies one more time. I promise I'm going to tear the thing apart, and I'm going to come down there, and I'm going to insert myself into your situation. Advent was about his second arrival. He promised he would come back for us. We don't know when. The scriptures tell us that we can't know when, so quit buying the books of Christian hucksters. Hear me? We don't know when. Neither does anybody else who pretends that they do. We know this, and we wait in faith. Jesus said, I'll be back. The first advent was so long ago that it seems like a fairy tale almost to a lot of people. The promised return of Christ seems a little bit like that too. But the first arrival, it was real, so real that we believe him for the second promised return. And we have held on to that promise as the church of Jesus for 2,000 years and counting. But the reality of life for some of us right now is so heavy and so hard that we can't wait for whenever that, that great day is. And we need God to be a tear the heavens open kind of God today. And if that's the case for you, I have some good news. Before Jesus went back to heaven to be with his father, he made a promise not to leave his followers alone. Now get this, he's leaving, and visibly so, but he said, I won't leave you alone. He said that he would send the Holy Spirit to us, and he gave him a job title when he did. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you as a comforter. It's a Greek word that means someone who comes alongside and who helps. It's the idea that when you are bearing a load that is too heavy for you, it's got you sore in the back and it's got you weak in the knees and you don't know how much longer you can bear up under it. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is the one who steps to your side, puts an arm around your back and one under the load and lifts you up and says, we can do this together now, can't we? Listen, when you're under a load that you think is going to break you, you don't want somebody to say, be encouraged. What you want is somebody who'll come and take part of the weight, who helps you actually get through the difficulty that you're facing. Jesus didn't say, God will think nice thoughts about you. He loves watching you struggle. He admires it. What he said was, he'll come. He'll come right alongside you, and he'll give you the lift that you need. Jesus promised a tear open the heavens kind of God. The Holy Spirit who comes to live in every person who invites him to and who comes to the aid of anyone who calls out to him for help. And he also, however, intended that the church, that's us, would be the real world expression of God's own tear open the heavens heart. That was a long sentence and not formed well. Let me try it again. His, uh, God had this great idea, I'll send my Holy Spirit to you, but there are some times when he's so intangible that you can't see him, you, you can't hear him, you can't feel him. You know what you'll need? You'll need friends who come right alongside you 
and, and the people who are the followers of Jesus, who invited his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us, we become the living manifestation of the heart of God. And our God has a tear-open-the-heavens kind of heart. And that's why your leadership team here at First Naz made a decision several months ago that we were going to provide you with an opportunity to connect with some other Christ followers instead of simply bumping into them during a church service. We're going to give you a chance to connect with a smaller group of Christ followers who will get to know you and who will befriend you and love you and include you and gather around you when you need them most. We're going to call them connection groups because, yeah, you've been hearing about them. For the last month. Well, today, as uh, Peter mentioned earlier, is the first day of sign-up. So at the conclusion of this service, we want you to head right over there into the fellowship hall, other side of that curtain. And there's, uh, how, many, how many groups do we have, Laura? 10 or 11, 12, something like that. 10, 12 groups um, that you can sign up and, and be a part of. And I know it feels awkward at first, but there's only one way to make the awkward go away, and it is for you to take a first step in the direction of connecting with other people who are going to feel just as awkward as you, okay? Or you could live alone. You could do life alone. You could try to connect with God who, quite frankly, sometimes seems very far away. You could take what he has offered you in the church of Jesus Christ, people who live out the heart of God in this world. If you don't know yet which uh, group you want to join, that's okay. Just take time to go in there today, look at who the leaders are, look at um, the other people who are signing up for the group. We're going to have sign-ups every single week this month, and then the groups will begin meeting in January. But um, all the uh, leaders and hosts who are here today, I'd like to introduce to you. So if you've agreed to lead uh, or host a small group, would you just come and uh, line up right across the front here? I wasn't really asking. I'm telling you. Would you please just get up and, and come? Yeah. I should be more clear, Laura. Our good friends Bill and Bonnie Bull are not here today because, get this, their son-in-law is an airplane mechanic. They flew up to Fairbanks so that they could house-sit for their son-in-law and daughter while they were on vacation somewhere, and the plane that Bill and Bonnie were supposed to get on to come back home broke down and there's no mechanic to fix it. I think Bill wanted some extra vacation. That's what I think that was about. So um, where, are the, where are the wheel locks? Because I'm looking for uh, Doug and Julie. Julie's probably in Children's Church. Ah, Doug and Julie Wheelock are going to host. Julie, can you come right up front here? I'm going to ask you to give a speech, too, once you get up here. Huh? <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, but uh, Doug and Julie are going to host, and they're going to have Bill and Bonnie working as group leaders. But I just introduced you, but you can just... Introduce yourself one more time. We're going to pass the mic down here, okay? Hi, I'm Julie Wheelock. And my husband is Doug. Yes. <laughs> I'm Laura Purcell. Cliff and I are going to host a, a newly married group. So if you consider yourself fairly newly married, that's what we're talking about, right? Did you set a time limit on it? Five years and out? No, okay. So if, uh, if your marriage still feels new, how's that? Well. <laughs> 
I'd like to go to that. I've only been married for 30 years to this man. <laughs> and uh, I'm Kathy Jones, and I help Dwayne on Thursday night. I'm Dwayne Jones. She helps me on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne and Kathy's group meets over... You meet downstairs here, and it's a group of friends, but they do some, some specific things together. They do study God's Word together, and they do some service projects together. So that's the kind of friendship that you're looking for. These are the folks you can connect with. You have movies once in a while? And popcorn. She's bribing people now. Good luck, Rick. Oh. Yeah. Rick Burke, and this is my wife, Julie, and we're going to be hosting on Sunday night. I don't know what we're going to have, but... Fun. Fun. Good. Hi, we're Rich and Brenda Kennedy, and we're hosting, and we're also about having fun. So, uh, But you do have to be a race fan, so <laughs> if you're a race fan, you're welcome. There might, there might be people who don't even know what that is, Rich. Clip. And they're not welcome. <laughs> so. No, anybody's welcome. We're open. Anybody would like to show up, show up. So. All right, good. I'm Andrea Legemeyer. My husband is Dan. He's not here today. We'll be hosting at our home in Clarkston and Heights. You don't have to live in Clarkston to come. And we will be Wednesday evenings to coordinate with when our kids are at youth group. Hi, I'm Carrie and Mike McKay. We live up in the orchards. We're doing Thursday nights. I don't have a clue what we're doing. We just signed up. Oh, good. Well, then come to the leadership meeting here in a few minutes. We'll straighten that out. Yep. My name's Todd Johnson and my wife, Keisha, and we'll be hosting on Sunday evening uh, new people to the church here group. My name's uh, Matthew Menu, and I'll be hosting in downtown Clarkston. I'm pretty sure Wednesday nights if you want to come. All right, good. Thanks a bunch, guys. You can now have a seat. So here's, uh, here's the reality of it. There's this broken world in which we live. It's a little bit messy. Some of the messiness is my fault. Some of it is uh, not my fault. It's the fault of people who lived before me or people who live around me. But guess what? I get to live in the mess. And sometimes it's a little bit messier than I can handle. And I get to those moments where I just feel like I'm done, I'm out. And what I need in those moments is not a doctrine about a God who can handle everything. I need a God who does handle everything and does what it takes to come and comfort me. And one of the ways that he does that is he sends his Holy Spirit come and minister to me in a way that no human being can. But there are also times when I need living, breathing human beings who are God with skin on, who will come and say out loud the words that my heart needs to hear, and will come and help me bear the burdens that I cannot bear alone. And so the truth is that we, uh, your leadership team has put together some groups who will do all of that imperfectly. Imperfectly but with hearts that are full of love and concern for one another. Sign up. Be a part of a connection group. You're not signing up for anything that obligates you till Jesus comes back or you die. It's just a three-month obligation. You can see if this is the group that works for you. If not, pretty soon we'll have another sign-up time, and you can, you can get involved in that way. But know this. There is a God who does not sit in heaven and watch this world go idly by. He has invested himself in it, and he will do that. When you call to him, his spirit will come to you. And on those days that the whole world seems kind of cloudy and dark, 
And like you can't quite sneak a prayer through to heaven, you need a church family. And you can't be family with 300 people, but you can with 20 or so. So we want to ask you to join us in helping this become the kind of church that really faithfully um, reveals the God who tears the heavens open for people who need him.